And we're celebrating today because one year ago we got the keys to this facility. Come on. Now some of you may not clap because you may not understand all the hard work us Hawaiians have to put in this building. And after you see all the hard work, you'll be like, what did you do? I mean, like, what's going on, right? There was so much effort placed in this building. I know we had some uncles coming right from the doctor's office painting, and we had some children skip out of school and they'll tell their principal, okay, uh, to, to come and help out with moving stuff here and there. We, we borrowed chairs for like seven, eight months from a different church. Praise be to God, we raised enough money to get our own chairs. Going to get a witness? Right? It's, it's, you, you, may be, you may say, man, it's just a facility. Well, if you understand setting up and tearing down every Sunday at the YWCA, you would understand the, the whole pain that goes with that, but we're so excited that today, one year ago, God allowed, gave us a platform. Come on. He gave us a platform. This is not the church, all right? This building is the platform, and this is the platform in which the church is able to gather, to be trained, to be mobilized outside, to be sent out so that the kingdom of God may advance throughout Hilo. And we say it this way. We pray what happens in Hilo goes beyond Hilo. Amen. I mean, right now, to celebrate that, we, we're a church under three and a half years. And we ask God that we would be a multiplication church. Not just inwardly, but we would be a multiplication church by multiplying churches around the world. And we ask God, man, God, would you allow us to be a part of ten church plants in 10 years, and a lot of you guys know the testimony. In three years and a half since we've planted, we've been able to be a part of planting eight churches around the world. Eight churches. What can a small local church in Hilo, Hawaii do for the kingdom? We can make disciples beyond Hilo, Hawaii. I mean, there's, I know I am a motivated speaker by nature and all that, and I could probably sell you anything, but the reality is this is the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's not me. It's not us. God is doing what he promised he would do. And for some of you guys who are new to our um, service today, thank you for coming. But in all reality, today is a big day for the church because today we're calling Pledge Sunday. And for the last month, God has given us a vision for the church for the next three years, which we believe it will be the platform for the 50 years to come. Meaning that when my gener when our generation, me, when we're gone, our next generation, the next Keiki, will be able to take that on and move it forward beyond. Because we believe that God didn't plant a church just for one city. That God planted Ohana Church for the cities of the earth. And we're excited that God has allowed us to be planted in Arizona now, all throughout the islands. Just now we're talking about a partnership in Maui, the last main island. We don't have a church plant in. And we're planting, we planted a church in Osaka, Japan. And now we're about to plant a church in Yokohama, Japan. And that's because God is at work. We see where he's at work and we're joining in on his activity. We didn't start nothing. We just got in on what he was already doing since the beginning of time. There's a joy in that understanding. At the end of the service, we will pledge on how God will like us to serve and give for the next three years. And we're saying this is not about the tithes and offering. We're talking about above and beyond. For God to reach this city, God, you got to do something in our heart that you can only do. Like God, change my heart so that Hilo would be a light post for the nations of the earth. Did you know that Hilo had the biggest Christian church in the world? Highly Church, right up the road. They had over 13,000 Hawaiians. Could you imagine that? Hmm? 
Hawaiians, yeah? Could you imagine Reverend Titus Cohen, you know, juggling the Hawaiians, you know what I'm saying? Because had tribal wars, hakaka all over the place, and the gospel united them together. We're asking God, if you did that, then God, do it again. Do it again. If you did it in the 1800s, God, do it again. And so we're, we're starting back off in our, new, in our continued series called Momentum. We did a three-week series on kingdom builders in, our, for, in uh, preparation for our pledge today. But I want us to jump back in to the book of Acts. We are an expository church, meaning we go through books of the Bible verse by verse. That's the way we feel the Spirit leading us in this season of our life. And we went to the very book that teaches us how to be filled with the Spirit and move on mission in the Spirit of God. And so we've arrived at chapter 19 of Acts. And the series is entitled Momentum. And here's the heart of momentum. Moving people forward towards Jesus. I mean, show that picture again up on the screen. I mean, look at this. For one year, we've been in this facility. As you can see, before we painted, we wrote scriptures. And you can imagine we got the cheap Hawaiian kind discount paint. So if you go like it on the wall, you can still see some of the scriptures on the wall. Okay, that's, that's, just, that's the kind of budget we had. Amen. Hallelujah. All right, just creativity. But God, look at how empty it was. Look at what's going on. God has really used the church to move us forward in this platform he's given us. To move people towards Jesus. And here's a recap of the book of Acts. Brother Paul, say, what's up, Brother Paul? Yeah, yeah. Brother Paul had three missionary journeys. He's in the beginning part of his missionary journey. He has advanced the gospel throughout Jerusalem, the Middle East, to Asia Minor, which is where we're going to talk about today, the area of Turkey. And he also went to Macedonia, where that was the foothold to northern and western Europe. And so he didn't go far into Europe, but that was the gateway of Macedonia to the Europeans. And we know from the Europeans came America. And from America came who? The Hawaiians, all right? Come on, Hawaiians, all right? The gospel advanced, all right? And this whole idea of moving people forward towards Jesus all started over 2,000 years ago in this place called Jerusalem. And Paul is on his beginning journey, his final journey, and he lands in a town like Hilo. Now, it wasn't an island, but it was a town like Hilo. He lands in a place called Ephesus. And Ephesus was a paganistic, heathenistic place. So much so, they worshipped all kinds of gods and goddesses, but a lot of Ephes Ephesians believed, the people of Ephesus believed that Artemis, who is also known as Diana in the Olympic Greek uh, gods felt like she when she fell out of heaven she fell in that temple that was one mile outside of the city and so because it was a goddess that whole town whole city area was very matriarchal sound familiar Hawaii now you may say what is matriarchal Stop using these big terms Hawaiian all right matriarchal it was led by women a lot of women led the deal in fact, we hear about polygamy in this context, and polygamy is a lot with one man and many wives. It was the opposite as well in Ephesus. One woman with many husbands. Poor thing. Come on, you don't have to be too spiritual to understand that statement. Yeah? Poor thing. Yeah? One auntie and all those other uncles together. Right? No ways, bro. And the reality is, all right, they worship this. They practice this. Could you imagine Brother Paul coming from Jerusalem, a monotheistic, right, with single marriage, right, position, comes to Ephesus, and this is what he comes up against. 
Now you may say, wait, you just said he's like Hilo. I meant what I said. Yeah. <laughs> I, my father was a kahu here for 30 plus years. Now I get to take on the, the rain from him and all that. And it's the same kind of deal that we battle with here. And the only thing that keeps us moving in a paganistic, heathenistic culture is Jesus. Is Jesus. In this whole series, we, we come on this platform and then we end up at our text in verses 11. Would you stand with me in the reading of God's word? We're a little different church. We're traditional in the sense that if we can stand for the music, you know, we can stand for God's reading too. Amen. And all that. And why not? Right? It's God's literal word. And it says, as we continue on through this passage, starting in verses 11, it says, and God. Can I get a witness there? Say those words. And God. You better be thankful. That was the only two words that started off this text today. Amen. And God. Because if they said, and Kahu, oh, help us, Lord. Right? And Kahu Marcus, help us, Lord. And God. All right, oh, I get chicken skin just saying that. And God, listen to me. It says, and God was doing, say that word, extraordinary miracles by the hands of Paul. So that even handkerchiefs or aprons that had touched his skin were carried away to the sick and their diseases let them and the evil spirits came out of them. Say, wow. wow. No, no, say like, like you read the text and you're like, wow. <laughs> right? It says, ooh, yeah. <laughs> then some of the itinerant Jewish exorcists undertook to invoke the name of the Lord. Jesus over those who had evil spirits saying, I adjure you by Jesus, whom Paul proclaims. These seven sons of a Jewish high priest named Sceva were doing this. But the evil spirits answered them. You guys ready? Here's the demonic spirit answering these uh, sons of uh, Siva. He says this, Jesus I know, and Paul I recognize, but brah, who are you? You guys see that? He goes on to say, and the man in whom was the evil spirit leaped on them mastered all of them, and overpowered them so that they fled out of the house. Say with me, naked and wounded. Talk about demonic possession, right? And this became known to all the residents of Ephesus, both Jews and Greeks, and fear fell upon them all, and the name of the Lord Jesus was extolled. Also, many of those who were now believers came, confessing and divulging in their practices. And a number of those who had practiced magic arts brought their books together and burned them in the sight of all. Can I get a hallelujah there? And they counted the value of them, and they found it came to 50,000 pieces of silver. In English terms, $7 million worth. Here's a better O. You ready? So the word of the Lord continued to, say that word, increase. And what? Prevail mightily. God made the word of your truth increase this morning in us. Before you can change a city, you got to change your church, God. If there any sin in our lives today, rip it out in Jesus' name. 
May we live different for the cause of the gospel. In Jesus' name we pray. And God's Ohana says, Amen. Give the Lord a clap for praise this morning. Come on. I know we are Baptist church, but we can clap and shout out in this church. Amen. I want to give you three things that we see in our text. Number one, we've seen how the gospel advanced in Ephesus. Say that with me. One, two, three. How the gospel advanced in Ephesus. In verses 11 and 12, we see the word extraordinary. That God did something extraordinary. The word extraordinary is the other word unusual. Why unusual? Well, the text says, remember, let the Bible interpret the Bible. Let the scripture interpret the scripture. It says unusual because, number one, we see handkerchiefs. And number two, we see aprons being used to wipe on brother Paul and send out to the cities beyond Ephesus. And people were healed by their handkerchief, apron, because of what went on. This was unusual. Jesus himself didn't heal people this way. That's why it was extraordinary. Jesus did so. Jesus said this. Remember in John 14 and 16, for those of you who have been under our teaching, it said, I have to do this. I have to leave you guys, Hines. I got to leave you guys, Jewish brothers. I got to leave you guys because you guys are going to do greater things that I can never do. Now, he's not saying that he's not going to do the work. He's just saying in his humanity, he has to go to heaven. And the way he's going to live his life is through the believers. And one of the ways that they would do better things than Jesus is going beyond Jerusalem. Well, this is like 40 years into Paul's missionary journey already. And he's already taken the gospel to the known word as we speak right now that he knew of thus far. Are, we, are you with me today? And so what happens is now, and the second thing now, now brought us there, wiping himself down. Like you try to wipe down the Hilo High football team. I can tell you, going to give people disease, not heal them from nothing. That's the reality. And as we look at our text today, we have to understand the context of what's going on. Here's two biblical understandings about this kind of miracle, why it was so unusual and how we should approach this kind of miracles. This text is giving a historical account and not promoting an act to mimic. This is the only time in scripture we see this kind of healing. Now, there's some people who are sensationists and some people who are dispensationalists. Now, whatever that case is, it don't matter, okay? The reality is when we look at certain accounts in the scriptures, that doesn't mean always that this is for this time and this period. This is the only time we ever see handkerchiefs and all that used. What it is saying, listen to me, what it is saying that God can do whatever he wants. He can do whatever he wants. Absolutely. He's absolutely God. But around the 80s, there were these televangelists that came on. I grew up in church, so I know the Christianese language and all that. At the same time, I grew up in the world, and a lot of you guys who knew me knew my past and all that. The reality is there was these televangelists, these evangelists, Christians who were on TV, that would say, man, if you want to be healed from your sin, you give me $100, all right? And I will send you one of my cloths, purple, red, green, whatever the case is. And then you're going to be healed. Now, what happened from that is a known study was done from the 80s. And it was done later on in more than late 90s and the new millennial. And they found out that there wasn't much cases where this was authentic. So these televangelists prostituted the gospel and got rich on the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now, we don't talk about that in church. We should talk about that in church. 
Now, I'm not against healing. God can do whatever he wants. How many of you remember we used to be at the bus stop when we first started as a church? We had demonic possession there. I have to rebuke many times, right? I have to come against it. A Baptist church does it. A Christian should do it in general. Right? Hallelujah. You know what I'm saying? That's the reality. And we've seen a lot of this. We've seen, we've seen people freed from cancer. We've seen people freed from their illness. But the reality is, is when God frees us from our illnesses, all right, if it's more about us and not Christ, it wasn't genuine. And you'll see more. Listen to this. Number one, this text is a historical account and not promoting an act to mimic. Number two, healing was one divine way God revealed himself to the pagan nations. You understand, this nation was not like America. It didn't have the gospel saturated in America for like the 300 plus years we've had the gospel in America. This nation had no gospel influence at all. The, least, the last time we know is in chapter 16 and 17 when Paul stopped for a few weeks and then ended there and didn't say nothing there and moved on to Jerusalem. What we know is that this was completely unchurched. There weren't buildings like this that was in the name of Jesus. There were synagogues. Jewish synagogue, but we know those Jewish synagogues didn't believe in Jesus as the Christ. And so what Paul did, he entered these synagogues and he leveraged his Jewishness for the gospel. When we think about healing, we have to understand that healing was God's way of revealing and proclaiming who he was as creator of the universe. In fact, in Hawaiian culture, you know how God revealed himself to the Hawaiians? Healing. You know, it was one of the things Hawaiians had that they didn't know what was termed until 100 years later? Syphilis. Why did Hawaiians have syphilis? Because they partied all kind ways. <laughs> if we need to have a history, I mean, a, an educational talk about syphilis, all right? I don't think we need, that's why you keikis need to be in the back, all right? Reality. That's the reason. But we've seen God heal them. Another thing is leprosy, Right? Kalau Papa, Molokai, right? They would put all leopards in Kalau Papa. It was an isolated area, peninsula. Nobody can get in there, whether by boat or walk down the trail. And now we got donkeys and all this stuff that can walk you down. The reality is that what happened, God reveals himself to an unchristian nation through healing. And this is what we must talk about. Listen to me. People, more than healing, uh, healing, yeah, more than healing, more than healing, all right? People coming to faith in Jesus. That is the best healing we can talk about. Not just a physical, I'm free from cancer, but praise the Lord, God does that. But there are some people in the New Testament that Jesus healed that they never turned their life around to Jesus. Jesus even told them, don't tell people about me and what they did. They did exactly what he told them not to do. The reality is, the best healing we can provide is the message, the cross of Jesus Christ. That they can be internally saved, eternally healed. Look at what Romans 1.16 says about this kind of power. He says, I am not ashamed of the gospel. Meaning, I don't care how big this MMA guy looked at me, I go share Jesus with him. I don't care how crazy Shannon Connie looked with all those tattoos on his body, on his face. I'm going to go to Onikaka, the Doodle Beach, and preach the gospel to him. Some of you Hawaiians don't understand that. Okay. He says, for I am not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God. It is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who, here's the letter, believes. Believes. You must believe. 
Look at everyone in this room. You're a sinner. You're a sinner. Every one of you deserve hell. And if you don't like this message, this is not the church you should be in because we're going to preach it all Sunday. Every Sunday. We cannot be relaxed in sin. Sin separates people from God and sin sends people to hell. We must preach the good news from a bad news perspective. There is no good news apart from the bad news. And you may, oh, you preach it a lot every week. I'm going to preach it to the day I die. It's the only message that matters. We can talk about all characteristic things in this life, but those characteristics has nothing to do with the gospel apart from Jesus Christ and faith and saving. You need Jesus. I need Jesus. We need Jesus. Here's the biblical truth of our text. We can't assume that God's not working when we don't see a visible miracle. Because the greatest miracle of all is salvation. Well, I just don't feel Jesus today. Well, the text says otherwise. Well, I'm just not feeling it. I'm just not... Man, I heard this. If you heard this this much times and you're not changed by it, you must ask God to take the earwax out of your ear and your heart so that you can hear the clear message of Jesus Christ. That's the reality. And here's an affirmation of healing for Ohana Church. We affirm at Ohana Church that divine healing still exists today. Can I get a witness? Come on. Yeah? Divine healing still exists today. However, it's not always on demand in reality. It's not always. How do I know? People die from cancer every day. People die from diabetes every day. People die from car wrecks every day. People die, people die, people die, people die. Because the reality is this is temporary for us. And so we get pissed off at God. Excuse my language, my coaching language. We get mad at God when he takes someone. You should get mad at yourself that you didn't share the gospel with him, which is the real medicine for him. Quiet. Why? Because that's reality. Every message should hit a nerve that makes you think about your life. Every message. If every message we preach was to lift you up always without confronting sin, is that the gospel? That's a feel-good message. We need God. We need Jesus. So look at this. We affirm at Ohana Church that divine healing still exists today. However, it's not always on demand in reality. God is sovereign in how he goes about healing. And our suffering in the present world, whether or not due to illness or a rough circumstances, is God's way of promoting the message of the gospel. That's how God does it. You got cancer? God's going to use it for his glory. How? Whether he heals you or he don't heal you. You got diabetes? Well, there's an, there, God's going to use it. How? You're going to have to get in the gym and start working out and ask someone, brother, hey, keep me accountable for this sugar I'm eating, all right? Because that's your testimony. That's the gospel. Whatever issue you have, God has allowed you to be a part of that issue in such a way that that's the only way you can be Jesus here in Hilo. Don't pity yourself. Don't victimize yourself. Jesus knows everything. If there's anybody that was a victim of sin, it's Jesus himself. The Bible teaches us that God became the propitiation for our sins. He was the substitute. He was pure. He was holy. He was righteous. And in our sin, he gave his life so that we may have life 
and life abundantly. That's the joy. That's the joy we have in gathering together. The gospel of Jesus Christ. The greatest healing we can have is God doing my heart that no other brother can do in my heart. Change my heart. Help me to stop justifying my sin, God. Give me more of you and less of me. Everybody up this morning? Here's number two. Here's the number two. We see how the gospel used evil for good. I love this. Now, I grew up in a very extreme Pentecostal church. I miss it. I love it, you know. And so, 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 when we was growing up, we would have a lot of these practices. Evil possession, evil, you know, in Papakoa where I grew up, there would be evil demonic people coming to our church and they preach over and do like say things, weird things. They would jump on our ushers and they would rip. Seriously, those kinds of things that we're reading in the Bible we're ex- we experienced growing up. I understand it all, all along. But the reality is I, I understand it better because of the gospel today. And so we see our text saying that had these seven sons from Skiva. What a name, right? I know some of you guys get some Filipino names and some, some English names and you're like, oh, I'm, I'm embarrassed of my name. Now try being named the son of Skiva. Right? Kahu Zeke Skiva. Kahu Marcus Skiva. Kane Skiva. Oh my goodness, help him, right? And that alone, that was, a, that was just bad all along, you know, right there. It says, look, it says, they were traveling Jewish exorcists, meaning that they would go from town to town exercising, right, spirits out of people. And I love what the demon does on this demonic man. He says this, remember, he says this. Who's these seven jokers? Like, Jesus, I know. Paul, I've heard of. But who is these procrastinators over here? Like, I, I don't know these jokers. And then what happened? We see God using evil for good. So we know that because God is sovereign, God can do whatever he wants. And we see God's power displayed on saying, let him have it, devil. Let him have it, devil. Think about your personal life today. When you are out of the will of God and things aren't going your way because you're out of the will of God. Everything that this good book tells you to be careful of, to warn you of, and then you, you, you come to realize, why? why am I living this life I'm living sometimes? Listen to me. God does things to make our heart cry out to him in which any other way he would not do because you hot head. No hit the kinipopo. You hot head. I'm hard headed. And we need the gospel to remind us that God uses evil for good. Man, the, the, the demon overpowered them. And this is how God does. God didn't just overpower them just to push them a little bit. He allowed the devil to overpower these seven brothers. And guess what? Took their clothes off and beat them to a bloody pulp. Why? Here's two warnings. Number one, don't mess with God's mission. And number two, you don't mess with God's name. You talk about Jewish brothers. They should have known the Ten Commandments. That, the, that one of the greatest commandments is not to use the Lord's name in 
vain. So they inappropriately use God's name and they say, in the name of Jesus, they're mocking Jesus and all this. And what happens after that? And you know what? I would just say this. Here's a reality truth. For a lot of believers, the result of our life struggle may be directly connected with our mishandling of how we use God's name. We use the word hell as if it's just a fairy tale place. And we say that term a lot. We use, you know, G fill in the blank, G this, G that. We use it inappropriately, not understanding that you are completely defiling a righteous, honorable God. The one, the king of kings, the Lord of the Lord. God will make your sin public. You will be an example to not mess with God's mission and not misuse his word. Why? His mission and goal is to rescue sinners. And if you're in the way, he'll make an example out of you. He'll make an example out of you. Now, a lot of you came to church, you wanted to hear more positive news than this. And you will hear it now. Say, neighbor, it's about to go down. It's about to go down. Listen to me. Here's the last thing we see, all right? Number three, if you felt bad, you're going to feel good right now. Hallelujah. We see how the gospel changed lifestyles. How many of you, you're different because Jesus changed your life? Raise your hands, right? God has changed our life. Now, that doesn't mean that we, we, we perfect, okay? But also, that doesn't mean we give an excuse that we're not perfect. There is a time. We see this beautiful picture of someone's affection leaving this to this. So these people group, these pagan, these hedonistic people who never heard of the name of Jesus, now heard the name of Jesus, they were healed eternally, they received Christ's salvation, and then their affection shifted. Married couples, people who are dating, how many of you know that affection? When, brothers, when you see that wahine and your affection on your video games turns to this wahine. <laughs> Hello. Come on, you guys all laugh. I know. God wired us this way, Hello. All right. Sisters, when you see that brother and you're like, ho. Oh, Oh, but no say nothing. Kahuzik's on the stage. Be very Baptist right now. <laughs> All right, get that brother's number. Get numbers. Nine five nine. Never mind. I mean, I mean, right? That's the way we're wired, and that's what affection does when God changes our heart. When God changes our heart, He changes it so that our heart's affection is for His name, for His glory. And like most of us, we do some poopoo things, all these crazy, crazy things, because we in love with that individual. We even make mistakes, and we do stupid things in front of our children, and we separate for a while, and, and in God's grace, he reminds of us of that affection, and we keep, some of us draw back together, because that's what the affection does. And, so, and this affection made these Ephesians do crazy stuff. Like those who are satanic worshipers and, and did magic and evil things gave up their books. They burned it. Seven million dollars worth. God, would you send those people to our church, please? <laughs> seven million dollars. If you send it on seven million dollars, we've got to plant more churches, Hines. 
$7 million. And listen to me, for us, you may say, oh, what does that look like? I'm glad you all asked. For us, for Hawaiians, it would be like us throwing away our electronic devices because of the use of porn. God is not, listen to me, God is not proud of us when we use it that way. For us, it's getting away from alcohol because of our ungodly behavior. For us, it's throwing away drugs due to whether it's over-the-counter or under-the-counter, Hawaiians. Come on, to get rid of it. So listen to me, because, because we are more dependent on the drug than a part of the one who gives everything in life, life everlasting, Jesus. That's the truth. What a joy. They said they gave it up. They free willingly gave it up. This was the outcome of the gospel because people heard about Jesus. Their affection went from death to life. Their affection went from evil to good. Their affection went from this way to the greater way. His name is Jesus. That's the joy. That is the message. Why? Because they fell in love with Jesus. You remember the song? You guys know it. Falling in love with Jesus. Oh, you guys sing it. Let's do it. Let's do it. All right, here we go. All right, here we go. No, you guys did. You guys already did it. Here we go. Here we go. Here we go. Okay. Falling in love. Come on. With Jesus. Stand with me. Come on. Falling in love with Jesus. Falling in love. Was the best thing I've ever done In his arms And in his arms I feel I feel protected And in his arms Never disconnected In his arms I feel there is no place I'd rather be There is no place I'd rather be There is no place I'd rather be And God's Ohana says that is the truth. They fell in love with Jesus and their affection changed. Say, God, God. change, change. My, affection. my affection. Do, do. What, only you can do. what only you can do. Amen. And then Paul later on, years down the road, he's checking back on the church of Ephesus. And he says these final words to the church of Ephesus. In Ephesians 1.15, he says, for this reason. What the reason? The gospel. Because I have heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love towards all the saints. A pagan city went towards a saved city. Ephesus, we're going to learn next week. Paganistic. Yeah, Hakaka in the city. We'll learn that next week. But years down the road, Paul hears about the revival that's going on in Ephesus. People are sinning less, specifically believers in Jesus. They are trusting in Jesus because their affection in Christ is growing ever more. And Paul said, for this reason, I give thanks to my God for y'all. Here's the question. Do you thank God for the person next to you? 
Listen to me. It's hard to enjoy life when we cannot celebrate other people. We need to learn how to celebrate other people. Even if they come from YKL High School. Even if they come from Keao High School. Even if they never graduate from the greatest high school in the island. He lied. Okay? We still got to love people to Jesus. You guys know I joke when I say that, yeah? You guys catch feelings of that, right? I don't mean that. I don't mean that. Kao, what's that? We love you guys. And that's the gospel. The gospel brought these Ephesians together. And because it's Christmas, I want to remind you guys why we celebrate this season. By the text we read. It says in the last verse that the word of the Lord continued to increase and prevail mightily. Why? Because people's affection was changed. So if there's anything I can convince you about this text, in the power of the Spirit, I want, I want you to see in these three truths of how God, all right, wants us to respond in remembering what Christmas is about. Number one, Christmas is a reminder of God's power. We needed, we needed God to do what only he can do. All the fun Santa Claus and reindeer and all that stuff, we practice and all that. None of that matters because God's power is on display. Number two, here's a second remi- reminder from our text. Christmas is a reminder of God's son. Say that with me, one, two, three. Christmas is about God's son. Now this is, this is big. Because his son did what you couldn't do for mankind. His son demoted himself out of the pearly gates of heaven and became human. He was 100% man and 100% God. How does that science all work? Thank God is bigger than science. Christmas is about God's son, Jesus, the Christ, the Messiah, the anointed one. He has come to free us of our sin, not temporarily, but he came to free us so that we may live in his name because of the affection we have for him because of what he continues to do in our lives through his spirit. But number three, Christmas is about God's grace. The word grace that I define by is this, not getting, I mean getting what you don't, you what you don't deserve. Grace is getting what you don't deserve. You don't deserve eternity. <laughs> you cannot win grace no matter what you do. But because of God's power, through his son, we get grace. Just like that baby. Look, he agreeing with me. Because that is the joy of the gospel. Christmas is about God's power. Christmas is about God's son. And Christmas is about God's grace. I know I passed my time. We're going off script. Hallelujah. Because here's the reality truth for today's message. We are able to celebrate today because God is faithful. Let me share you one last story of why he's faithful. Nine years ago, August 8th, 2008, Mahale Vahine, Lane Lamb at the time. We got married, Tennessee girl, Hawaiian boy, 
Sin City, Las Vegas. We did not get married by Elvis, I promise you that. We got married in the church. I'm going to be vulnerable with you guys. We got married. And then, um, excuse me, in November, we found out we were pregnant. It's excited. My father couldn't have children. In fact, my dad was 45 when he had me. Um, and I love my father, yeah? And I love my wife and was so excited. I couldn't even hold it in, you know? I couldn't keep it in. And so I told my dad, I told all my close relatives. In December, right around Christmas time, Lane's not feeling well. A lot of you women can connect with this story. And she begins to bleed. As a new husband, I'll be honest, I was getting mad because I didn't know how to handle the situation. Went to the doctors, to the ER actually. And um, one of our associate pastor's wife stayed with us for eight hours just to be with us and Eventually, after overnight, in the morning, we found out they had a miscarriage. And my wife lost some joy that day. I lost some joy. We did not know how to love each other after that. I promise you, we didn't know. Our intimacy changed for a while. More or worse, we moved to her home state where I became a I was a pastor there in Tennessee, the only Hawaiian in the county. I was. It was awesome. But then we find out more bad news about our reproduction process and found out we cannot have children. So we tried another doctor, another doctor. So three doctors telling us the same exact thing. And at the time, I just didn't know how to react. Can I be honest with you guys? I almost left my wife. You can judge all you want. I almost left my wife. Because in my immaturity, spiritually, I didn't know how to react. And that's really why I'm crying. Around the same time, I did not know, but you guys know. Maybe of that year, a beautiful Hawaiian boy was born in I was in Tennessee. There's this beautiful, big eye, big head, big burly boy born here that I wouldn't know. Let me fast forward a little bit. 2012, God calls us back home to Hilo to plant Ohana Church. The name Ohana has always been on my heart for years. And God called me to be a pastor. And I ask God all the time, how would I plant? I have no family. I was the Abraham, right? You guys know the story. 2008 Christmas sucked for the Thomas Eli Ohana. 2010, even worse. And in 2013, God moves us home to Hilo. And we, you guys know our story. We struggled the first couple years of church planning. People coming and going, we didn't know how to handle that as well. And some of you don't know, but I went through this time of depression, dark depression. My leadership skills was bad, horrible, very threatening to some sense. And then God just humbled me. I remember, that's clear. And then God would do the extraordinary. 
God would do the not normal thing for our lives. He got us connected with foster care, which is crazy. Because we started doing foster care in Tennessee and we, God called us home to Hilo, so we had to stop our training, but we did everything. And so the last thing we wanted to do in this church planning process was do more training. They accepted our training from Tennessee. And so we immediately became foster parents. And we did two girls. You guys remember those two sweet girls? And they were placed back with their family. And, and then I got this beautiful picture. I'll show it on Facebook later today. Of these two beautiful Hawaiian boys. And remember, one of them was born the year we were told we couldn't have what? Keikis. This beautiful picture of Kaimana, Adam. Right? This beautiful picture of Elijah. <laughs> Kainalo Elijah. I just knew in my heart, before the foundations of the earth, that was my boys. And you guys would know even better yet, Christmas. Oh, this is hard, bro. Christmas of 2015. Connie and I are in Alabama. I'm preaching in Alabama. Right when we jump, right when Hawaiian Airlines stopped in Hilo, Hawaii, on the tarmac, I don't wait for the bell to go off, and I always turn my phone off and phone on in the air. Sorry, it is what it is. I get a call from CPS, Christmas 2015. Oh, the brothers have another baby brother that was just born, and Kahu, we need you to pick him up at the police station. You guys know the story. 2015 Christmas, God would do what the doctor said we could never have. By the process of foster care, we have three blood brothers, Hawaiian boys, you guys know Kolohe's hair. Who now, thank God they don't carry the name Skiva, but now they carry the name Tomaselli. Why? Because God is faithful. And listen to me, he's not faithful just for the sake of your own feel-good feelings today. Though I'm emotional as heck. He's faithful because he's God alone. And listen to me, God is doing a mighty work through those three Kolohe buggers. If you talk to Kainalu Elijah, he would be like the prophet of the Old Testament. He shares the gospel today. Kaimana Adam is the biggest servant you would, the biggest boy, but the biggest servant you would ever meet. He would do anything and everything for any of you because he's a servant. Kainokoa, just pray for his salvation, okay? <laughs> Hawaiian is hothead. And I believe God does this. God gave me those children. And you guys are going to realize why our mission statements changed to reveal this to me. He loved me to the beauty of his son in a way that nobody else could love me to. My leadership competencies change. How I address things change. How I served in the community changed. Why? Because God is faithful. Listen to me. I don't know where you're coming from, but God is faithful. I don't know what you're holding on to, but God is faithful.
I don't know what's stopping you from growing in intimacy with Christ today. God is faithful. You cannot let experience and all these other hakaka ruin your heart. God is faithful. When the world says otherwise, he is still faithful. And that's why the gospel exists, so that the world will know that he is faithful. So we're going to respond. We're going to respond. If you want to, uh, Marcus, come up here. Connor, come up here right now. You guys get to come pray with them. Or you can come to this altar, kneel here. Bring your couple. Get over there. Get at the throne of grace. Ask God to do what only you can do. In just a few seconds, our band's going to lead us in worship. We all stand. We sing to the glory of Christ because he is faithful. Would we be different today? May this not be a sermon that just, that just goes in one ear out of the ear, but it will change you individually. It will change your family. It will change change this church and this church because of this church it will change this community would you respond in those three ways come to the altar come to our leaders stay where you are worship Christ and then after that we'll pledge to Christ God we love you we thank you